0: Good church, my name is Christine, uh, today our reading is in Matthew, book of Matthew chapter 26 from verse 17 until verse 35. This is, um, if you have the black Bible um, in front of you, that is on page 853. I'll give you guys a few seconds to, to open that. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same.
1: Uh, well, thanks so much, Christine. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name's Paul, uh, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, love to meet you over mornings here after the service. Uh, but how about we keep that part of the Bible open? But how about we pray uh, for God's help now uh, as we dwell on this passage? Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word, and we pray this morning, by your word and by the work of your Holy Spirit, that you would turn our eyes and hearts away from worthless things, to bask in the glory and goodness of your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I wonder what is one of the best meals you've ever had? Uh, For me, uh, the meal that comes to mind straight away, it was on my 25th birthday. Uh, It's a few years back now, but this meal, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, It was at a fancy restaurant in Sydney called Key. Uh, and the the chef of this restaurant uh, had been on Master Chef. He was kind of renowned for making delicious desserts. It was a seven course meal, uh, so there was you know it started off with some nice scallops, some Angus beef steak, and it ended in this seven textured chocolate cake. Um, yeah, some of you are, you know looking for we don't have anything like that at morning tea, but man, it was delicious. All right, uh, but you know the thing that made this meal memorable for me. Uh, and one of the best meals I've ever had was not the food. It was actually the one I was able to share it with. It was the fact that Mel uh, cared for me enough that she'd you know, booked uh, a, a seat at this table uh, months in advance and she paid for me uh, to enjoy this meal with her. Uh, this meal was all about my relationship with her. And that's why I remember it so clearly and fondly. Meals are so much more than just about yummy food, aren't they? Meals are about relationships. The food, as yummy as it may be, provides an opportunity to relate and enjoy time with others. It's why I reckon some of my favorite times during the week is when I get to sit down with my family or friends and enjoy a meal together. To stop, to just you know take some time to talk, to engage, to to relate at an intimate and more deeper level. Meals provide a profound context for relationship. You want to get to know someone, have a meal with them. And if you want to understand the message of the Bible, you can actually follow the meals. In the opening chapters of the Bible, Adam and Eve uh, are free to eat from any tree in God's good garden. So every meal in the beginning was in intimate relationship with God. They would sit at the table feasting with him, enjoying fellowship and communion with God. But that intimacy doesn't last long. Uh, Humanity throw off the rule of God. They disobey his word. They eat from the one tree they're not allowed to eat from. And sadly, they're thrown out of the presence of God, no longer able to eat and relate and enjoy a relationship with him. That's the beginning. But if we fast forward to the very end of the Bible, we're given a picture of a future meal. God is sitting at the table with these people again. In this future meal, the menu is exquisite. There's fine wines, there's nice meats. This future meal is an abundant banquet. But the focus is not on the food. The focus is on being back in relationship with God, with people sitting at the table in intimate fellowship with God again. In between those two meals, there's many meals that you could look at. But actually today we're going to focus on, I want to say, the most significant meal of them all. It's the last meal Jesus would ever eat before his death on the cross. This meal, a lot of you might be familiar with, it's called the Lord's Supper. And it's a meal that takes us to the very heart of who Jesus is and why he came. And if we understand the significance and meaning of this meal, we'll actually see how we can have a seat with God at his future banquet. We'll see how actually we can have an intimate relationship with our Creator. So we're going to look at this last meal, and we're going to see three things from this meal. We're going to see this meal is the long-anticipated Passover meal. We're going to see that Jesus reveals the meaning of this Passover meal. And then we're going to see that this meal is for those who aren't worthy. So firstly, let's look at the long-anticipated Passover. Have a look there with me again uh, from verse 17. Verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? The disciples here, you know, good followers of Jesus, they come and say, Jesus, where can we prepare this meal for you? Where can we prepare this Passover meal? What what is the Passover meal? What is this meal they're talking about? Well, the Passover meal was a meal where the nation of Israel remembered and celebrated God's saving work of rescuing his people out of Egypt. See, about 1,500 years before the time of Jesus, God's people had been enslaved in Egypt. They cried out to God to save them. He heard their cry and his judgment was coming against the Egyptians. God gave his people instructions so that they would find themselves safe from his judgment. And you can read all about this in the Old Testament book of Exodus in chapter 12. Uh, But basically God told his people to kill a lamb and then paint the blood of the lamb on the doorframe. So that when the spirit of God came through Egypt, wherever the blood of the lamb was spilled on that household, he would pass over. God's judgment would pass over that home because of the blood of the lamb. God's judgment was poured out on the Egyptians, but God's people were set free. And every year since that momentous night, the Jewish people would celebrate the Passover meal to remember what God had done for saving them from Egypt. And so this last meal that Jesus has is that Passover meal. And how does Jesus respond to the disciples' questions? Well, have a look at at verse 18. He says to them, go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Jesus here, he's actually quite direct, isn't he, with his disciples. He says, go there, tell a certain man, I'm going to eat at your house. Jesus here, he's showing he is the host of this meal. He doesn't need his disciples serving him in this way. He's actually already made plans for this meal This last meal uh, Not like many a date that Mel It's not like many a date Mel and I go on Often it might surprise some of you Even though Mel had planned a long time in advance For us to go to that, that nice restaurant Often the case is We'll be heading out on a date night Or even just for a coffee And we'll you know be driving into town Having no idea where we're ending up And we'll be calling places you know, Saying do you have reservations for us? Uh, We often fail to make a plan of where we're going to enjoy a meal or just even a coffee, but not so with Jesus. Jesus has carefully planned what is about to happen. What is occurring here is not random and haphazard. This is a meal Jesus has long been preparing for. This Passover meal has been long anticipated. Did you see what he said there? To his disciples, he says, my appointed time is near. Jesus is saying his mission is nearly completed. And what was his mission? What is this appointed time he's talking about? Well, his appointed time wasn't his birth. It wasn't his miraculous life. It wasn't even his powerful resurrection. But his appointed time is his death. Jesus, up to this point in Matthew, he's predicted his death three times. And here he's saying, it's almost, his time to die has almost come. Jesus knows what's going to come after this meal. His whole life has been leading up to this very moment. Jesus isn't going to die as a tragic victim on the cross, but as a triumphant volunteer. This Passover meal with his disciples is part of the plan in him heading to the cross. This last meal of Jesus has long been anticipated. This has, his life has been leading up to this very moment. This Passover meal has been long anticipated, but more than that, Jesus reveals the meaning of this Passover meal. Have a look there with me, what he says in verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat this is my body now historically in the Passover meal um, psalms were sung prayers were said and as the bread and the wine were being distributed the host of the meal would explain what each of these elements was pointing to would explain how they pointed back to God's saving work from Egypt and so often when the bread was handed out the host might say something like this is the bread of affliction which our ancestors ate in the land of slavery these words reminded all eating this unleavened bread of their past. But did you notice what Jesus said in verse 26? He doesn't look back to Egypt. He says, take and eat. This bread is my body. Now, if there was, an ever, if there was ever a mic drop moment, it would have been when Jesus said those earth shattering words. This bread is my body. Now I reckon it's a bit hard for us as, you know, modern readers to grasp the magnitude of what Jesus is saying here. But for a first century Jew, this bread had always pointed back. But now Jesus is saying, this bread, it points to me. Something radical is going on at this meal. Jesus is is revealing the meaning of this Passover meal. Makes me think of times when I wake up in the morning with my daughters, it's usually around 6am and uh, I'll uh, stumble out of bed making sure not to, you know, um, faintly being able to make out stuff on the ground. Um, Stumble into the kitchen, flick on the the coffee machine, but before I can get to the lounge room, usually one of my daughters will hit uh, the light switch. And man, it, 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 the lights blare on. I'm like, you know, but I, I can see everything around me now. I mean, out a shock. Similar to my morning wake-up experience, Jesus here, he's turning the lights on to what this meal truly means. Now, it's helpful to know some traditions and some churches believe that when Jesus said, this is my body, They believe that Jesus was saying that this this physical bread mysteriously in that moment actually becomes Jesus' body. And so each time the Lord's Supper is celebrated after Jesus uh, said these words, Jesus' sacrifice is repeated in some way. Now put put yourself in the disciples' shoes though, that, that very night. Do you think they're sitting there thinking Jesus' body, you know, has, has somehow become extended to this piece of bread in his hand. Kind of like, I don't know, it makes me think of like a superhero kind of movie. No, the bread here was a symbol of his body. Jesus commonly used symbols and metaphors to describe himself. Elsewhere in, in the Gospels, he, he says he's a rock or a vine or a gate. He didn't want these words to be taken literally They were just symbols to illustrate who he was. That's what the bread is here. The bread is a symbol of his body being broken. The bread being broken is is pointing to his violent death the very next day. That's what this meal is doing. It's actually interpreting what's about to happen to him. And Jesus goes on to give us another symbol. Did you see it there in verse 27? Then he took a cup and when he'd given thanks... He said, he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus takes the cup and says the wine symbolizes his blood. His blood, which is going to be poured out on the cross. The wine, like the bread, points to his death. This meal doesn't look back anymore, but looks forward to what's about to happen. Now, I reckon for, for some of us, these words of Jesus, of his, of his body being broken, of his blood being spilled, they're, they're so familiar for us. If that's you, if these words, you know, uh, are familiar for you, if you've heard them before, you need to stop and hear his words afresh this morning. Jesus' blood is poured out for you. It wasn't a scratch of blood He shed a lot of blood. His life was bled out for you. Now the the question is why? Why would he endure the cross, the pain, the torment? Well, he tells us there in verse 28. Have a look there with me. He says, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. By Jesus' blood being poured out on the cross, he's establishing a new covenant. Now, what's what's a covenant? Well, a covenant is an agreement. It's an agreement between two parties. A marriage is an example of a covenant. I was actually at a wedding yesterday. I was able to see a couple pledge their lives to each other. A marriage is a covenant relationship where two parties pledge their love and faithfulness. As long as they both shall live, uh, Eugene Gladu and Dolores Gladue—they uh, epitomise this marriage covenant. I think there's a picture of them. Yeah, uh, this is uh, the uh, the longest living uh, marriage. Uh, these guys have been married for 81 years. All right, and you know what they—you know what they say about their marriage covenant? This is this is the words they've said. They said divorce was never an option. They said they promised to love and cherish each other for a lifetime and that is what they'll do it's incredible well in the in the Bible God entered into a covenant relationship with the nation of Israel and this covenant was based on God's faithfulness to them and their obedience to his word now how long do you think Israel lasted in their covenant faithfulness to God well the answer is not long even though God never wavered in his faithfulness and love of them the the people of Israel turned their back on a relationship with God and this really is the storyline of the Bible it's the storyline of our world it's the story of each of us here God is faithful to a world that is faithless to him And the Bible is clear that all who turn their back on a relationship with God are deserving of death and judgment. And that's the the reality for all of us. But the incredible truth of the Bible is that even though we have turned our back on God, God keeps pursuing a relationship with us. God, out of his faithfulness and love, sent Jesus into the world to establish a new covenant. A covenant not dependent on us, but established by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the perfect covenant partner. He lived the life we never could in perfect faithfulness to God. And by his blood, he died the death we all deserved. The very fact that God sent Jesus into the world shows how much he is for us not against us. Shows how much he wants a relationship with us. In Jesus' final meal here, he reveals what this Passover meal is all about. It's no longer about looking back, but it's about looking to the cross where his life was poured out for us, where forgiveness and relationship with God is now available. This meal is the, is the long-anticipated Passover. Jesus reveals the meaning of this Passover. And thirdly, this meal is for those that aren't worthy. Now, so much of our world runs on performance and merit. So much of our lives is spent chasing approval or acceptance from others by what we do or achieve. I reckon, you know, over half my life I lived that way, trying to measure up to people around me or to standards of the world but that's not how God works this meal with Jesus is for those that don't deserve it it's for those that don't deserve it and come to recognize that they are unworthy we see a glimpse of this in who Jesus shares this meal with who's at the table at Jesus's last meal well Judas is there the one who's agreed to betray Jesus to his death. The very fact that uh, he is there shows Jesus' heart of compassion for the lost. But it's not just Judas. Did you see who else is there in verse 31? Jesus says this, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. All of Jesus' closest friends are there and they will all abandon him at his hour of need. Do they deserve to be at the table with Jesus? No. But that's the point. This meal is for those that aren't worthy. I reckon it's been one of the striking things through Matthew's uh, account of Jesus' life. Jesus, time after time, goes to the outcasts, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those that are unworthy. But they've been the, the ones who are the quickest to recognize their need. For Jesus and as Jesus has gone to those people it's actually infuriated the moral and the middle class those who from society's standpoint are more respectable but they've been the ones slow proud to humble themselves and recognize their need for Jesus I wonder what about you where are you at in your standing before God Do you have a seat waiting for you at the future banquet meal in his new creation? Well, if you're here this morning and you're not sure, well, there's a word of warning from this passage and a word of comfort too. Firstly, let's have a look at the word of warning. Have a look at verse 24. The Son of Man will go just as it has been written about him, but woe to that man! who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. These words here, they're directed at Judas, and they are chilling words, aren't they? Jesus is saying here, non-existence is better than existence without Jesus. Here you have someone warned enough to repent, but free enough to sin. And it's the same for all of us Jesus allows you the the freedom to keep going your own way and yet he warns you of the urgency to turn to him the question is have you taken heed of his warning have you come to recognize you need a Savior because It's not enough just to turn up to church each week, to to sing the songs, to serve on a team, to claim to be a follower of Jesus to his face. But it's about humbly turning to Jesus and acknowledging your desperate need for him. It's about crying out to Jesus and saying, I need you, Jesus. It's about coming to him and saying, I'm a sinner in need of saving. Please forgive me. If you're here today and you're yet to turn to Jesus, let me encourage you to start that relationship with him today. Because the beautiful words of comfort from this passage are that when you cry out to Jesus to forgive you, he forgives you everything you've ever done. The blood has already been spilled. God has already passed over your sin. The penalty for your sin is behind you, not in front of you. And if you know and trust Jesus, do you know that? Do you know whatever guilt you may feel, whatever regrets you have, whatever things you wouldn't want anyone else knowing about, do you know that Jesus died and bled for it all? Jesus' blood was shed to offer you forgiveness and freedom from guilt and shame now. Jesus' blood was shed to bring you back into the relationship you were made for, to offer you a seat at his heavenly banquet. In a moment, after we sing the song, we're going to share in uh, the Lord's Supper together. And let me encourage you during that time to look back to the cross, to remember and celebrate the price Jesus paid to give you life with God to take that time to fix your eyes on Jesus and be thankful. But don't just look back, look forward. Look forward with confidence and anticipation to the day when we will feast with Jesus face to face in his heavenly kingdom. And what a magnificent and glorious day that will be. So would you pray with me? In the words of Psalm 51, we say, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me of my sin. Heavenly Father, we humbly come to you today, knowing our great need for a saviour, We know we have sinned against you in thought and deed. And for that, we are sorry. But Father, we want to pour out our praise and thanks to you because by your love, you sent Jesus into the world to die the death we deserved, to pay the price with his body and blood. Father, may we daily remember Jesus' life given for us. Father, may we remember that by Jesus' blood alone, and not of because of who we are or because of what we've done, we are assured a seat with you at your heavenly banquet. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.